You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 70. And the first thing I'd like to do is thank you for those of you, several of you have been uh, uh, keeping me accountable here. Where have you been? It's time for another one. And so <laughs> I'll tell you what, that makes me feel great. It makes me feel appreciated, really. If, uh, if you want more, then it must mean that these are doing some good. And thank you for saying that. And yeah, I'll tell you why there wasn't one, why we went two weeks without one. I'll tell, in fact, it's going to be the, the topic of podcast number 70. And to that end, I might say we're going to talk about death and dying today. That's what I was doing uh, last weekend up in the hills of Arkansas and Oklahoma. And uh, so if, you know, if, if um, there's been a recent death in your life that you're not completely um, behind, if that has not been resolved yet, this might be a little bit difficult. And so this is kind of like the warning on the television program. If this is a topic that you would not do well to encounter right now, then this podcast, you could listen to the introduction, and then you could just skip on when we get to talking about Eureka Springs. Your choice, but I just wanted you to know that's going to be the topic, is looking at what our life represents when that time comes, when we are gone. And actually, there are some really cool conclusions that we're going to talk about, and I'm excited for that. couple of housekeeping things. First of all, we'll be back remote again next weekend. So this is like the remote microphone uh, sequence here, and then all the traveling stops at the end of the month, and I don't have anything on the books for June and July, except maybe to sneak out of Dallas for quite a while and uh, let the heat cook those who are left behind. We're getting into that scene. <laughs> yeah, you look at me like, what? <laughs> We're getting into that season in Dallas when it gets hotter than hell. There's six great months out of the year here, and then six months you just you feel like a duck in the oven, man. It's just it's hot, so that's coming, and uh, Thomas might be going. I don't know. We'll see. That's yet TBD to be determined. But I am going back to London next weekend. This is a business trip. Just going to be there for a couple of days. Um, but you know, I was thinking uh, as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, I've been back to London what uh, twice within four to six weeks here. And it would be kind of cool to do a subconscious mind mastery workshop in England sometime. We have so many of you listening to this podcast from the UK and the surrounding areas. And I just thought as I was getting ready to this, I thought, what a shame, because I'm I'm actually getting there Sunday, busy Monday and Tuesday, and then out Wednesday. So it really didn't have the bandwidth on this trip. But uh, I would be interested. Why don't, if you live in the UK and or London, and you would be interested in having a subconscious manifesting workshop with me spending a couple of hours together somewhere in London or somewhere in the UK, send me an email to thomas at subconsciousmindmastery.com, and you don't have to explain. Just put London or put interested in London in the subject line. That's it. That's all you need to do. Shoot me an email, and let's just see what comes of it. Let's see what kind of interest there is. In fact, why don't we take it up a notch? I, I don't know what time I get in on Sunday, but I think it's like midday. Now, listen, we're talking about Sunday, May 17th, 2015. I know you're going to be listening to this at all different times, but the, I'm just talking about May 17th, Sunday in London. I think Sunday night would be free. So if you would like to connect and have a beverage down there in that part of town, 
send me an email as well, thomas at subconsciousmindmastery.com, and we'll connect and coordinate and figure it out. All right, enough of that. Last week, I was in uh, Oklahoma and and traveled over to one of my favorite energy places on the planet, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I know you're saying, what? That's the beauty of it is like nobody knows it's there. It's it's on a road to nowhere. You have to be going there to get there. It's one of those kinds of places. And we were gathered as a family. My cousins, my brother was there for part of it, um, his wife, my cousins, some second cousins. But basically, we were there to memorialize my Aunt Patty. Now, she was dad's only sister, older sister, and she lived to 93. She outlived her mom by a couple of years, and we always thought that Mimi was going to be the matriarch of the family. I think she was 91. Patty was 93. And Patty just had an amazing outlook on life. That's why she was able to smoke for most of her life, and she died from old age. And cigarettes had nothing to do with her death. And it was all because of the way that she thought. I studied Aunt Patty for several years since I really started connecting with the material that we talk about here. And Aunt Patty was my oldest living relative, my only older tiered relative. But I studied her because it was her consciousness. It was the way that she thought and the way that she approached life all the way through. This wasn't something she created at some point since I knew her. This was just Aunt Patty. She lived in the now. She lived in the moment. She didn't get excited about too many things. Oh, some things she did, but we all do, right? But she just basically had a great perspective on life. She was a Gemini. However, she was born just after the Gemini period starts, so she kind of has some Taurus in her, and she was, I'll tell you, she was stubborn as a bull. I mean, she had that Taurus, that just that Taurus put your horns down and ram through the door kind of um, determination, and yet she had the Gemini characteristics of a great communicator, and she was a wonderful aunt. She loved me very much, and, and I certainly loved her as well. She passed the day after Christmas, but the family decided to get together now because the weather, you know, traveling from literally all over the country, uh, the weather in Oklahoma can be dicey up until now. And it was we just picked the perfect weekend. It was beautiful weather. But the reality that Patty was the last uplink relative, so aunt, uncle, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, all that, right, older than generation older than me, that's it. They're all gone now. And that was quite a reality of just, um, you know, the finality of that. So my cousins, my brother, all their uh, kids and relatives, all that. So the rest of us got together and it's a pretty small group. And we took a picture on the staircase of this hotel where we first met in Tulsa. And I told my cousin, I said, you know, the next time we get together to do this, it's going to be someone in that picture who we're memorializing. And that was a sobering thought. The other thing that was a first for me was uh, my family, traditionally on my parents' side, always chose to entomb our loved ones. And this was the first time in that I've experienced to sprinkle someone's ashes. I asked the funeral director who handled my mom's affairs a couple of years ago, how many people now bury versus cremate? And he said, well, it's probably a little over 50-50 cremation versus burying. And that wasn't a real surprise because, as he said, I asked him, well, you know, what's behind that? And he said, well, it's because people are more scattered out now. Back then, when you would typically bury someone, it was at a cemetery where most of the relatives lived around that area. 
like my mom and dad, they're buried up in Oklahoma in an area that I would never visit except to go see their grave. So it was really cool. It was a great experience. And actually, we memorialized my aunt and uncle because it was Patty and Harold, and they were just, they were thick and tight as a couple. They were always together. It was always Patty and Harold. And we memorialized both of them um, in, in this, this past weekend. And we did it in special places. So there was a memorial. There was a favorite place in Tulsa, which is where I grew up. Then there was this farm that I'm going to tell you about. And then Eureka Springs. So what's really cool now is although there's not a gravestone and, you know, going through the expense that it takes to bury somebody in a specific location. Now, when I go to Tulsa, I can go to that park, you know, right where the tree is, where we uh, where we put her there and and to this farm and every time I go back to Eureka Springs, and I'll be going back to Eureka Springs, right there by the main basin park up on the cliff up there is where we said goodbye finally to Patty and Harold. And that place will always now be ultra special for me because we sprinkled her ashes there. So I want to be cremated. And, you know, really, I mean, it is. It's dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Doesn't matter how you get there. I'm just saying this was a really special uh, endearing and will always make Eureka Springs now a special place for me. So let's talk about this for a few minutes because there was a reality. I mean, looking face to face at this situation that really puts our lives in context because as we were standing up in those, well, standing up on the hill there in Eureka Springs and at the farm and, and in Tulsa, and, you know, we think that we're so significant and that we're so damned important and that we have so many needs and wants and we have desires. Not that there's anything good or bad about any of those, but at the end of the day, we will all end up as ashes, sprinkled back to the earth, and all of those quote-unquote important things will go with us. I think this became especially poignant when we went to the second stop, which there was a little farm out in eastern Oklahoma that my great-uncle Norris Henthorne owned. Now, Norris Henthorne was the editor of the Tulsa World newspaper back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and that was the era when Tulsa, Oklahoma was the oil capital of the world. Back in those days, it was the place to be. It was a town that was beautifully built out and laid out. And it was those early oil barons, those wildcatters, those incredible men that had all kinds of guts and moxie and brawn. And they went out to the frontier and they found oil and they brought this incredible energy source to the world and they built a beautiful town. Well, Uncle Norris was the newspaper guy throughout that whole time. So he obviously was successful and he had a little farm and this farm was right by a creek, a spring-fed creek in the hills of eastern Oklahoma. It took about, for them, it probably took about an hour and a half to get there from Tulsa. It really was about 45 or 50 miles, but it's back then were some really crooked country roads. There's this beautiful pasture, and then in the shade of the trees, he built a stone cottage. And that's where my dad's side of the family gathered for all the years, and then uh, Uncle Norris died when I was about two or three years old, and the farm was sold, and I never had memories of it, but my cousins did. They're several years older than me. And certainly, hearing all the stories from my, my grandmother and grandfather and my dad and 
Aunt Patty and Uncle Harold and all that side of the family would talk about the farm. So our second stop after Tulsa was to go to this place that was such a special place for my Aunt Patty and Uncle Harold. And you know, as we were walking around there, I could hear, this This almost sounds strange, but energetically, not audibly, I didn't hear it physically, but I could feel, I could sense the energy of the parties and the laughter and the kids running around in that pasture yard, that lawn that they had and the uh, the animals that they had there and just the spirit of people having fun there. And it was strong. I mean, this was a really strong presence. And the reality that death is simply a morph of form. You can still be very close to those who have transitioned. It doesn't have to be a formality. They're still there. They were still having a big party at the farm when we were there. And they were excited that we were doing that for Patty and Harold and for the family and for us. If this sounds a little too out there for you, pick up the book called Dying to Be Me. It's written by Anita Morjani. I had to stop <laughs> had to stop the tape here and relook her name up because autocorrect changed it to Anita something else, but it's Anita Morjani. It's a Hay House book and it's called Dying to Be Me. She battled cancer for about 4 years and got up to the point of death. She had a, a near-death experience. She basically died clinically. And then she came back, and she talks about the experience leading up to that, what happened during it, and then what happened with her healing because she's now cancer-free. But the two things she describes in her near-death experience, or I should say really for her, her death experience, was being surrounded by those loved ones who she knew who had gone before her. And then the second thing was the feeling of complete peace and unconditional love, she says, that is so vast and so great that it can't be put into words. It's definitely worth reading her rendition of it if you're interested in that. But there's a common theme that comes out in most of these near-death experiences, and she describes the two basic things, that you're surrounded by those you love, you see the people being left behind, and you want, the, you want comfort for them. You say, oh, don't cry for me. I'm in a much better place. My friend, Dr. David Slater, who swung on the power lines for about 15 or 17 seconds, same thing. He exited his body and he looked back and he was surrounded by a very peaceful existence where he had the choice to either come back or he could go on. He chose to come back. And this is an interesting point, too. And I think it's where the subconscious mind comes into this process as well, because the more open your subconscious mind is, the more conscious you are, the more awake you are, the more energetically in tune you are, the more that you will connect with this. Because there were some in our group, some of my family, completely missed this. They didn't hear the laughter. They didn't see Papa around the corner cooking his hamburgers. They didn't see Patty and Harold and Mimi and Papa sitting down at the fire pit having their cocktails in the afternoon and just roaring with laughter. Oh, it was there, but you have to be in tune to get it. See, there's a whole other world going on out there. And I'll give you confirmation of this. Again, if you think I'm crazy, 
I contacted my friend Neil, who does the uh, workshops on Wednesday nights. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, and some of you have gone. Some of you have gone up to Louisville. Miracles of Joy is the store there. Neil Marshall, on most Wednesday evenings, you'd want to call and make sure that he was going to be there. But Wednesday nights, I think it starts at 7, 6.30 or 7. He does a workshop where he literally connects with other beings. Neil sees a dimension that most of I don't see. I don't see it, but I certainly believe in it. And when I'm interested in uh, finding out something about that spirit world around me, I always go to Neil and he's in tune with it. He's, he can even be in tune from a distance because I contacted him from Eureka Springs. And he said that he said that Aunt Patty's spirit was very strong. And he put in the little text, STRONG was in all caps. He said she was really there. And he could feel it even though he didn't know her and was 350 miles away. See, in the spirit world, time doesn't matter. Distance doesn't matter. You're in a whole different realm. And that's what connected with me. And I realized at the farm that everything is energy. I could feel the energy of those days gone by. I could feel the energy of Uncle Norris as he entertained some of the most prominent people in Oklahoma back in that day. I could sense the fun that the little girls, my cousins, Lynn and Janet, had growing up there because I could see it in their countenance. It was reading energy. And I realized in that moment of reflection that it's the energy that you and I create now that is our legacy It's what we put into that realm of energy, the cosmos, that lasts beyond our physical bodies. And let's go back to levels of energy. What is the greatest level of energy? What is the greatest energy? It's love. So think about that. When your kids or friends or relatives, whoever, if you don't have kids, whoever it is who sprinkles your ashes at your version of the farm, When they tune in with your energy, what will they feel? When they tune in with mine, what memories will they have? What energy will you and I leave behind? If you started at podcast number one and you've been working your way this way, which I would encourage you to do because it's kind of an ongoing story, you'll know that I had numerous struggles with my mom. And I had about the opposite relationship with my dad. What energy there was left in the cosmos? And in reconstructing this, there were those in my mom's life who didn't have the challenges with her that I did. They didn't experience that piece of her. They had a different energetic connection. So we can affect people differently. How will our kids feel about us versus how will our friends feel about us? Will it be the same? So a couple of thoughts. First of all, for those who are gone... Connect to the good energy of the experiences with them. Magnify that in their remembrance. And just like what you magnify in the physical world, that energy in the spirit world will also increase. That's what I've been doing with my mom. I've been magnifying the good times, magnifying the love that she did have, magnifying the big, huge piece of herself that she gave to raise me and my brother. And I know that time has a way of doing that automatically, but I'm just saying be deliberate with it. And if there is resentment there that is still lingering, that can also help the process of forgiveness. 
Now, second, are you ready for this? <laughs> you know, Eureka Springs is a little town that kind of makes money off of this. They play up the whole ghost tours thing, kind of like uh, Charleston, South Carolina does as well. But, you know, there are those places around in pockets where they kind of make money off of that. But I'm telling you, you can connect with those who have gone before in spirit. Now, I'm not going to pretend for one second to know how it all works, but I know that you can connect. I do it mostly through free writing. And again, if you've been listening, you know that that's a way that I like to uh, express thought. Others can hear or feel people who have gone before. Now, Eureka Springs, from an energetic perspective, is one of those places that I just absolutely love from the standpoint that I feel so balanced and connected and open there. Kind of like Sedona, but Sedona's energy was different for me. Now, Sedona for me was more, we're going to do business kind of energy. We're going to work on a particular area of life type energy. Eureka is more of a relaxed, open, go go there to recharge, to rejuvenate, to regenerate, to get ideas, to think more clearly. That's Eureka. And while we were there, after kind of everything had settled down, I got quiet and I got my journal out and a lot of my family, not all, but a lot of my family who had gone before connected. And we had a beautiful, probably 20 or 30 minutes together. So don't perceive death as ultimate separation. Just try this on. Take a, you know, take a chance with it. See if it works for you and Give it a try and see what comes through for you. Death is a transition of form. It's not a termination of spirit. Now, for those of us still here in this physical form, what are you and I creating? Because one day, my remains and yours will either be put in a box or sprinkled across the countryside. So play with the idea that there will be an energy left in the world, in the cosmos, that was you and me. So what will that be? Will it be laughter or sad? Love or conflict? Support and encouragement or criticism? Depression or excitement? Survival or abundance? And the reflection for me was thinking about Fred Dodson's audiobook that I did, Levels of Energy. When you get up into the 400s, 500s, 600s, it's all about love and serving others. Here are some takeaways from sprinkling ashes in Eureka and the farm in Tulsa. A lot of things hit me. I'm still really absorbing and processing most of it, but here's what I can come up with. For sure, it helped me look again at what I want my life to represent. So depending on you know when my final day is, I'm either in or certainly approaching the last third of my life. So you would say, what is that going to be like? What energy is in the cosmos now? And what energy will I leave behind ultimately? What actions am I willing to take to accomplish that? How bold am I willing to be? Am I going to play it safe or will I listen to the universe and take chances when prompted to do so. But I'm not talking about just memories here. I'm talking about the real connection for those who are awake and who are raising their consciousness. What will they connect with when they think of your life and mine? 
what's the focus going to be? And then when I'm gone and when you're gone and we go to that place of unconditional love, pure, peaceful, reconnected with those that we loved, I want to hear the words of Matthew 25. Whether these come from Jesus or from inside or from wherever they come, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want, to have experienced this journey well and to have finished strong. As the Book of Common Prayer says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We will all be there one day. So what energy we create now is what will be given back to the earth one day for all of us. Think about what that means to you. I'm Thomas Miller. Enjoy the journey. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.